welcome. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Understanding Business. This is episode 157. I'm your host, Peter Lamont, and we have a really great show planned today. I'm very excited to uh, be able to be speaking with Mike Brown, who is the CEO and founder of Deathwish Coffee. And for those of you who might not yet know of Deathwish Coffee, well, you should be ashamed of yourself. No, but seriously, I mean, this is for me. I stumbled upon this coffee. We'll talk about it when we, when we bring Mike on. Um, it's by far for me the best coffee I've ever had. I love it and I can't get enough of it. And you know, we're going to talk today about how he developed this brand and this business and how it all started. So we have a lot to get through and a lot to learn from Mike. Mike, I want to welcome you to the show and thank you for being on today. Hi, thank you, Peter. It's a pleasure to be here. You know, I, I really I can't say enough about Death Wish Coffee. And I know a lot of times, you know, you get somebody on a show and 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 the host or people on the show will want to butter you up and tell you how good it is. But I really, truly love the coffee. I happened to just find it on Amazon, ordered some, and fell in love with it, and then started looking into the Death Wish story. And it's such a great business story. And I figured, you know, why not have you on so we can talk about it? Because if you, it, like I said, if you haven't tried it, you've got to try it. It's, it's the best. You did a great job with it. Thank you very much. Yeah, we're getting great response from our customers and everyone seems to love it i mean we have had very few um complaints but you know for those people who doesn't fit their taste we always offer you know 100 percent money back guarantee on our coffee so and we don't you know bs people around or anything we just you know give them the money back because we know you know different people have different tastes not for everyone but a lot of people love it well let's talk for a few minutes about how you got started and what your background is because my understanding is that you owned a coffee shop in, in Saratoga Springs, New York for about seven years prior to developing Deathwish. But before we get into Deathwish, how did you even get involved with owning the coffee shop? Because a lot of the people that listen to this show, they themselves are entrepreneurs and they want to get into a, a business and they have no idea how to go about doing that. What was your background and how did you, you know, develop into the coffee shop? Okay, yeah. I've, I've really didn't even start drinking coffee until I was 24 or 25. I was an accountant for the state of New York for a few years. And, you know, I thought that's what I wanted to do, you know, through my teens and early 20s until I actually got in the accounting world and I was stuck behind a desk and punching numbers and reconciling bank accounts uh, <laughs> for days on end. And I was like, whoa, this isn't for me. So... You needed the you coffee for that job. Yeah, and I, you know, I'd come home from work and I, you know, I talk to my roommate and I, you know, I'd, I'd tell him, "Hey, after two o'clock, I can't do anything. I'm, you know, I'm wiped out from the day." And he's like, "Why don't you try some coffee? You know, drink drink some coffee. That's what I do." And I was like, "All right." And, you know, I never. It's, I mean, it might seem strange, but at the time, I'd never really like drank coffee very often. So I started doing that, and I was, I was like. You know, Will Ferrell in that movie, Kicking and Screaming. I was like, oh, I can't believe how great this beverage is. <laughs> so I really kind of got passionate about it. I really started to, you know, it's kind of a late love in life. Um, and, I, you know, I realized that the accounting world wasn't a world for me. And working in a cube wasn't my, wasn't my strength. So I, you know, quit that job, you know, took a year off trying to figure out what I was going to do. And... I uh, started to look into running a coffee shop just because I didn't have any other real skills other than, you know, accounting, which I didn't love. Um, right. 
I loved I loved coffee, and I you know I went in trying to learn as much as I could about the industry as possible. Kind of dove headfirst into running a business that I didn't know how to run, and you know struggled with that for four or five years. Lost a lot of money <laughs> that I had set aside. Um, so I kind of learned the hard way. Um, you know, just kind of rolled with punches, learned as I went along, and. You know, eventually, I you know I got smart and started reading books on how you know how to run a successful business, and you know eventually started looking into e-commerce to kind of supplement my income. And I started getting passionate about e-commerce and you know online marketing and right. And that and that I, helped you develop. This, I'm sorry. Go ahead. That helped you develop uh, your brick and mortar business as well. It did. It did initially. You know, we started, you know, trying some online marketing strategies that help bring people into, you know, my coffee shop. And things were always, we're always improving. So, you know, I always knew I was getting a little bit better um, at running the business. And, you know, it took about four, well, it took about five years for us to, you know, turn into the black, um, start Mm -hmm. making some, start making some, you know, positive gains on the store. And it was right around that same time that, Death Wish Coffee came into the picture, and that was initially a product developed, I wouldn't say out of desperation, but out of kind of, hey, this is the, this might be my, you know, my last hope to make it in the coffee world because I was, you know, I wasn't doing, I wasn't doing great. You know, I sold my house at the time. I moved back in with my mother. I was, you know, I took everything I had in life, poured it into this coffee shop, poured it into this business until... You know, that's which coffee came, and then things started to, you know, come back around. And it's, you know, you learn a lot when you have no money. You really learn how to be resourceful. Yeah. Um, and I'm using a lot of those strategies still to, you know, push that wish coffee and my coffee shop uh, as well right now. Now, how did Death Wish Coffee develop? I mean, you say it was it was almost out of desperation, but what gave you the idea? How did you actually develop the product? You know, because I would imagine, I don't know much about actual coffee making process, but I would imagine that you're using different beans than, than what traditional coffees are. So how did that all work out? How did that come about? Right. Yeah. So as I you know, worked in my coffee shop, I, you know, I read tons of industry reports and learned as much as I could about coffee. I learned you know, that there are different types of coffee beans. Some coffee beans are more popular than other coffee beans. Some have more caffeine than other coffee beans. Some, and, you know, they all taste different. I started experimenting with, you know, highly caffeinated coffee beans and highly uh, flavorful coffee beans and blending them together until I came up with a coffee blend that was not only really highly caffeinated but didn't but tasted very good as well. A lot right. of the the biggest challenge with highly caffeinated beans or robusta beans is that they don't taste very good once roasted. They almost taste like um, like a car tire. They're they're really they're, they're not good. So you have to you know you have to roast them right, and then blending them with other coffee beans that you know make their make them taste better um, is is the key. So I mean, just that's. I initially got the idea from my customers because they're always asking me, they'd come in, Hey Mike, give me the, you know, your strongest cup of coffee. 
And I went online. I'm like, okay, you know, what's the strongest cup of coffee out there? What's the strongest, you know, coffee out there? And at the time when I, you know, searched, there wasn't, there wasn't one coffee that fit the bill. And that identified, that kind of was a little flag for, hey, you know, maybe there's a, maybe there's a, an opportunity in this market to make a very, very strong coffee that, you know, that can potentially be the world's strongest coffee. So, you know, one thing that you just said, which I think is really um, something that, that people can learn is that you listen to, to your customers, which I, I think is such a good, valuable lesson, because if you had just been focused on this is what I'm doing, this is what, I'm, what, I, what I want to do and where I'm going and ignored what your customers were saying, maybe this wouldn't have come about. So I think that there's a lot to be said for listening and getting you know, positive and negative feedback from the people that you're working with. Absolutely. I mean, that's, yeah, that's a lesson I learned, I guess, back then, maybe by accident, but I still, to this day, we talk to, we survey our customers with every purchase. We, you know, call them up on the phone, talk to them you know, when we can and, right. you know, hear what they want and listen to them. That's the most important part. Um, yeah, you got to think, you got to remember, I'm sure most people know this, but maybe they don't, that you know, it's not, you're not making the product for yourself. You're making it for your customers. And even if, even if it kind of flies against in the face of conventional wisdom, sometimes it's just better to listen to your customers. It seems to work out most of the time. Yeah, definitely. I think that a lot of businesses fail because they're so dead set on doing something one way or this idea of, you know, nobody's my boss. And even when you're an entrepreneur and you go out and start your own business, I mean, you still, you, you, in a sense, have a boss, and that boss is your clients and your customers because if you don't do what they want or need, they're going to go somewhere else. And I think that that was um, you know, something that you did, which was super positive and helped you develop you know, your product. And I think a lot of people overlook that. It, it sounds like a simple thing, but when you're involved in it, you oftentimes don't even realize it. Right. Exactly. So now... Now you've developed the, the, the coffee, the bean, and, and you know, I, I assume you're doing this all in-house. How do you go from just making this product and saying, all right, this is really good, I like it, people are responding to it, and, and develop into what it is today? I mean, Deathwish Coffee has its own website, its own branding, its own marketing. You've been on some pretty big, high-profile shows. How did you get from, all right, here's a product that I really like and I think you know, it's cool, how did you get from that to where you are right now? It was a slow progression. It started with a website and a product that I had conceptualized and made samples of, but I hadn't actually created a, a full product yet. But I started marketing it anyways, and I sold my first bag before I even had you know the packaging and everything. So once I sold my first bag, I had about a day and a half to fulfill this product order um, with a product that I, you know, I, I knew what, I knew the coffee I wanted and I've tried it. I just didn't have the packaging or anything. So I had to throw something together real quick, sent it out. And then a couple of days later, you know, another one, another package was sold. So it started really slow, like one or two bags sold a week. Mm -hmm. And then I started getting some good reviews online. And I kind of used those testimonials, plus testimonials from friends and family who I, I gave the product to and tried it. Um, 
and those testimonials themselves sold, you know, a couple more bags a week. And eventually I had to, you know, invest in some packaging for the product. And then when I was at the coffee shop, I decided, you know, I wasn't really giving it my full focus. My full focus was still at the coffee shop. And I decided, you know, this product seems to be growing. I'm going to hire, you know, one person. Uh, and it was, you know, a barista of mine at the time. And she, her job was just to focus on that business and just do free marketing things like post on social media, send out a couple free products to some um, influencers online, whether they're, you know, bloggers or news sites um mm-hmm. she started doing that and once once i had one person focusing on it full time that's when it you know it went from a couple sales a week to you know five or ten a day and then it kind of grew from there and then we started getting some some great reviews and some attention from bloggers and news reporters until you know a couple of the big blogs picked us up and the big news shows you know kind of wanted to see what our product was about and we get some interviews. And then from there, you know, I had to hire it on a team and then I had to move, you know, from my coffee shop into a warehouse location and get a new roaster. And now we have three warehouses and, you know, a marketing team, a customer service team, a shipping team, a distribution team sales team and yeah it's, it's it's growing i mean we're still pretty lean there's only eight of us right now but we outsource a lot of our um a lot of our tasks like uh, distribution we have a distribution third-party distribution system that we work with and a lot right. of our packaging is done by third-party uh, businesses so we're staying lean but we're still growing and we need to hire couple people so you know what we do it's really yeah it's it's great it's amazing you know what what's um what's interesting to me is the fact that this product seemed and and maybe i'm wrong but tell me if i am this seemed to grow from the internet versus growing out of your coffee shop is that is that true is that how it really worked yeah that's exactly how it worked just through just free marketing stuff we were doing online. It really grew online before even anyone knew we had it in our coffee shop. Uh, once we did have Good Morning Good Morning America came up and shot a piece in our store. Once that happened, it was kind of it kind of put like I guess our coffee shop on the map more than it did our product. Well, the product as well, but I mean that, that was you know the big push locally. You know, everyone saw that and they're like, oh, this product's right, it's a local product in town. Um, but yeah, it, it grew on the internet first. So that's, I mean, that's such a cool thing because, you know, so many times I think um, people are so stuck on this idea of the internet being a sort of secondary source to helping you make money by selling a product or service. You know, they're so used to the brick and mortar thing. Or you'll go mm-hmm. the, the way extreme where you see people with this this passive income idea, which you know, if, if you don't do passive income right, it's not going to just land you a million dollars a year the way that it, it seems to, to, to do, at least suggest. So, you know, you kind of took it beyond and went online and made this product grow online, which is pretty amazing. And you did this all by yourself. Yeah, I, yeah, I did by myself. I read a lot of books and I, you know, I read tons of blogs and I try to keep up on, you know, what's going on in the online marketplace. But 
initially I did it by myself. Now I have a great team working for me, right. and I swear they're all smarter than I am already, which is <laughs> awesome because I can, you know, it allows me a lot of room to uh, you know make mistakes because I usually fix them before before it. Uh, well, the, you know, they the say public. they say <laughs> always surround yourself with with the the smartest, best people, and and you must have done that. Yeah, they're they're amazing, and. Yeah, internet's a really powerful tool right now, and I think it's easier right now. It's easier than ever. You don't need, to, you don't know, have to know how to code. You can make a beautiful website by just dragging and dropping things, and yeah. making it easier. There's so much, there's so much opportunity out there, and I, you know, I have to keep an eye on it because new competitors entering the market every day who are doing the exact, very similar things, doing the exact same thing. So we, you know, we're working hard to you know keep to differentiate our brand from the rest. Right. No now, let, let's, talk, let's talk for, for a minute um, about something. I wanted to, to talk about marketing, but you just made a point that I want to I ask about. Now, you can't or, or you don't have a way of uh, protecting a propriety blend in the coffee world, do you? No. No, not really. You can't go in for this. It's like an agricultural crop. So it changes yearly. Yeah. You have to stay on top of it. The only so, thing I mean, we can do, I'm pretty, I'm pretty free and open about, you know, what goes into our product, um, because I don't think anyone can deliver it as good as we can. I just think, mm -hmm. you know, we buy the, we get, we have a great source, to, you know, to get the best beans. I think we have the best, if not one of the best, you know, coffee roasters, and you know, our, you know, our packaging, the top of the line, every, everything we get, you know, I make sure we get the best stuff, and you know, our customer service and our and I think our branding is, is, is it differentiates us from the pack. Yeah, you know, let's let's talk about the branding for a second because the 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 logo, the bag, you've got the skull and crossbones, and it looks like you know, hey, this is badass coffee. And and you know, I want to I want to talk first about this the symbolism behind the logo. A is okay. this you? Are you this badass kind of guy? Um, how did that develop? And and B, what has that to do with the kind of people that you hire, the look of the websites? Let's talk first about about you. Are you a badass skull and crossbones coffee drinker? I I think I used to be more than I am now. Now I'm I'm a I'm a touch sensitive to caffeine. I I can't drink it every day. I have you know I taste coffee all day long, and now. You know, if I drink coffee like late into the day now, I, I'm up all night. So I have to, I have to be a little careful. Back, back when I created the coffee, yes, I thought I was, I thought I was badass. I, you know, but as you, you know, I think I'm a, a little, I'm a lot different of a person than I was, you know, four, even four years ago. And it's, yeah, caffeine. It's, 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 it's powerful. So yeah, like I said, I can't drink it every day. Um, that branding, I guess it is still me. You know, I have that mentality. You know, I'm very competitive. I'm very, you know, one, you know, if you get me, if you get me to that level, I guess I can, you know, lash out a little. And but for the most part, I'm pretty even keeled now. My staff, however, they live and die by the brand. They, if you can, you know, picture. I don't know how to explain it. Just bearded men covered in tattoos, like. Those are the guys that work for me, believe it or not. <laughs> um, yeah, well, they have the that's the, Kane, that's what the Eric image. I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
Yeah, Kane, Eric, and, and Tanner, they have more tattoos on them than probably, I, I, I couldn't even count, hundreds. They, that's, if, if you picture that's what our workers look like, it really is what our workers look like. <laughs> <laughs> well, the branding is so sort of specific because it it sort of elicits that, hey, look, this is, this is badass biker coffee. I mean, this is not something that you go and, and sip. This is something that you've got to be, you know, you know, a man to drink. That, that's the kind of image that it presents. And that I think is unique in the coffee industry because I haven't seen that. I've seen it in, in like the hot sauce industry where you've got the, you know, the super, super hot sauce stuff. But what's really cool about it is that you've got that image yet. It's so accessible to everybody. And, and your website is super friendly. You, you know, how do you, how do you balance the idea of, look, these are the kinds of people that I want working for me. These are the, the, the I mean, I don't want to stereotype, but this is the type of person that I want. Like you don't have a, a Poindexter working for you with a bow tie, if you know what I mean. So how do you, <laughs> no, no. how do you bring that crowd together, that group, that team, and then this image and make it accessible to everybody, not just to, you know, a biker crowd? Initially, you know, those are the customers who I was making the coffee for. And those are the customers in my shop asking for the coffee. And when it started to get busy, when we started to get orders where I couldn't handle it myself, I hired my customers who were in the store. I said, hey, guys, I need some help. Can you help me with this? And those are the customers that that came on to be employees. So, so it's kind of weird how it evolved like that. Yeah, I made the coffee for them, and they became you know, my, you know, my employees, um, and, well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. There's great coworkers now. Yeah. They're, they're, they're awesome. So, I mean, that's how that evolved. Initially, yeah, the brand concept came from, you know, I wanted to make something dangerous and the symbol for danger. And in my mind was that skull and crossbones, like I'm like a, a vial, like high up on the shelf. And I was like, wow, that was, you know, kind of a great coffee, I mean, eye-catching coffee bag. It was up on somebody's shelf. Somebody would grab that, and, you know, take it down, smell it, and try that coffee. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I had, I was, um, I was drinking the coffee on the show a few months ago, and happened to have the bag just sitting on my on my desk, and decided, hey, you know what? Look, this bag is so cool because I started getting people in the chat room saying, "What are you drinking? What is that?" And then, you know, I, I talked about it and showed them. And after the show, I got more responses about the cool bag that was on my desk than the show itself. So, you know, it, it really is an eye-catching great piece of marketing because it is, it's super cool. That's really, there's no other way to describe it. It's cool and it attracts amazing people, our customers. If you, you know, we have, we can follow all, all of our customers on social media now. And all, all of our customers on social media are, they're exactly what you'd expect. They look exactly like my employees. They're just, they're pretty badass. They, you know, they're Harley Davidson drivers. They're you know just metalheads. Really into the tattoo world. Rockers. Um, yeah, they're, they're they're amazing people. They do they, they do some great stuff and they push the brand, which is which is great. Right. And if you have people that love what you're doing, I mean, I think it's a really cool story that these people that, that were your customers became employees and, and now they love it and they're pushing it out. 
Um, I, I think that when you've got somebody that really loves what you're doing, pushing out your brand is easy. It's part of what they, they live for. And then I think that repays you, you know, tenfold because once that, that social media buzz catches on, I mean, it just grows like wildfire. Yeah, exactly. And it all comes back around. You just have to keep listening to what they want, to what they say, and make adjustments kind of based on, I think our business basically just caters to our customers now and try to keep the audience, you know, keep that audience happy and, and, and growing. Now, uh, you know, this is a question that people are just going to want an answer to. Is Deathwish Coffee more profitable than your coffee shop was when you when you started? Yeah, by yeah, by far. It, it's it does a lot more revenue than my coffee shop. Probably by about on probably by twenty times right now. Wow. Now you know what's what's also interesting is the fact that you had this this idea, you had the courage. And you, you went out and you opened up this coffee shop and things weren't as easy as you had hoped, apparently. You know, things weren't going super great. And that's where you developed this product. But a lot of times, so many people who get into a situation where things aren't exactly what they thought they would be, they back out, they, they give up, they go back to that accounting job and they'd say, all right, I tried and I failed. What's different about you? What, what made you say, all right, I guess I could go back to being an accountant, but I won't. I'm going to come up with something else. What what was in you that, that made you do that? There was this guy. He worked for me in the accounting department. His name is Wynn. He was an old guy, older guy. And as I, I was walking out my last day of work, he pulled me aside. He's like, Mike, you'll be back. They all come back. And I'm like, that stuck with me. And I'm like, Hell no! I am I am not coming back here. It doesn't matter how bad it's going to get. I am not going to prove this guy right. So it's just just me being stubborn. And I thought about it too. You know, when I was drawing out my worst case scenario, you know, back when I was you know putting in my two weeks as an accountant, I know you know worst case scenario I could always come back. And, you know, get back into this or a similar position. And but then that you know that gentleman said that and. That stuck with me. I was not going to prove him right. <laughs> so that kind of kind of fueled you. So when you were actually, you know, now you've got your own shop. Things aren't going great, and and you know, I'm sure, like all entrepreneurs, there there are those days where you're like, oh, maybe this was a bad idea. Maybe I shouldn't have done this. Did that sort of fuel you and say, well, wait a minute, I'm not going back to there. I'm not going to prove that guy right. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I had to sell. I had to sell my house at the time. Like I said, I moved back into my mom. I had to borrow. I had to borrow money from my mother at at one point just to just to meet payroll, and uh, I had you know I had tons of unpaid bills. It was, you know it was it was getting it was really desperate for a while. Um, the way my business, the coffee shop works, you know where where I'm from is you know during the winters there's nobody in town. You make no money, and in the summer business is booming. So you really have to like budget yourself correctly so your money lasts through the winter time and i think right. this year that particular year i didn't do you know a great job at that and you get really desperate but i was you know sticking to my guns i wasn't going to go back and i might not have like i said i don't think i'm the smartest guy and that probably wasn't the smartest decision but 
you know, it worked out in the end. And well, what what do you attribute? <laughs> well, no, I mean it can't be. You know, I mean it, it's got to be something about you, and I think it's something that a lot of entrepreneurs have, where you know it's so easy to just give up and to say this isn't working. Because I mean, you got to tell me when you were just at the coffee shop, how many how many months or days or weeks? Did you experience that feeling of like, oh man, what am I going to do? And and that panic and that fear that all entrepreneurs experience. You had to have experienced it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, it was, it's, oh, it was always there. It actually gets still there to some extent now, even though my businesses are both doing really well. You know, there's always that what if scenario, and I don't, you know, you get to this point where I don't know if it's rock bottom or what, or, or bottom where it's just like, you know, it can't get any worse. Just, you know, put your nose to the grindstone and keep working, keep working hard, keep researching, you know, find out what works, find out what doesn't, and run your business better. It's very um, unforgiving and it's, um, business can be very, uh, I wouldn't say humiliating, but it does give you a sense of humility. It's it, everything directly yeah. reflects back onto you. Like if your business fails, you can't point to you. I mean, I guess you could, but you know, I wouldn't point to any one reason. Like, hey, that's the reason why my business fails. You know, it's, it's you're the reason your business fails. Most most of the time, yeah. not all the time, but most of the time, it, it directly reflects back onto you. And you know, I played sports all my life. I'm very competitive. I'm very you know, I feel like I can be good at something if I really focus on it and really try hard. Um, yeah, in, biz in business, early on, that wasn't the case for me. You know, it took, took years of perfecting and fine-tuning until I, you know, got it right. And I still, I study business every day right now. I, I, work, I sit with a business coach for two hours every week. You know, I study all the Rockefeller habits every week. So it's, it's there's always fine-tuning. There's always something to learn. That's so important. I think that that's where so many people go wrong because they, they get into something, they think they know it, and then there's, there's never this idea of constant you know, evolution or let me learn more or let me see what other people are doing. I would imagine that, that the coffee industry is quite competitive because you've got the large chain stores, then you've got more of the boutique people, and there are other companies out there that tout you know, highly caffeinated coffee. I would imagine that you are constantly keeping watch over your competition to see what you could do better, what they're doing. Is is that like a, a weekly thing, a daily thing for you? That's daily. Yeah, I have my Google Alerts set up where I get hit with all the coffee industry news, all my competitors' news, um, anything that hits the internet, you know, that involves, you know, my company. And I'm always doing like reputation management, making sure no one says anything bad about my company. And if they do, I can address it, you know, quickly, swiftly, and keep on top of industry trends. I go to you know, most of the, well, the big trade shows. Um, I'm always talking with people in, in the industry, reading all the trade magazines. Yeah, it's a lot of work saying, just staying on top of everything. And my, you know, all my employees do the same thing. You know, they're showing me more stuff than I'm actually finding on my own, which is great. Right. Now, let's talk about your employees for a second because that's an area where a lot of people just go completely wrong. They don't know how to hire people. They don't know what to to believe. I mean, you're, you were an accountant. You weren't a human resources specialist. So what did you do when you started hiring people and what do you do now 
to make sure that they're the right fit, that they're going to work, you know, with your industry, uh, with your company and, and keep mm-hmm. them because you know, retention rate, that's something you want. You want to be able to retain your employees. What do you do? How do you interview and screen and, and what's your process? Yeah, that's probably my biggest challenge right now. Um, the, 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 my core employees that have had on board for the longest period of time, they have seen the ups and downs of this business and they've seen the big ups and they see the potential. And I try to paint a very clear, um, compelling vision for the future. And they're bought in. They know where we're going. They know what we're doing and they're excited about it. They see, you know, how their futures can be enhanced by, you know, if the company does well. Now, bringing on a new employee and trying to, you know, convey that to them so they could, so they want to work just as hard as, you know, the employees that I have now, that's a challenge of mine because they haven't, they haven't been through the, they haven't seen the ups and the downs and, you know, everything in between. And we have a very, very low hiring process, I guess, a lot of interviews, a lot of, you know, we have a couple of phone interviews, then we have a sit-down interviews, you know, we keep a score sheet of, you know, who we think is going to fit in the best, we bring people down, we have a trial hiring period where, you know, we, we hire them on and see how they work out for 30, 60, and 90 days. And it seems we've hired, within the last six months, we've hired two employees on our production side that have worked out well. And we've hired one customer service representative who only lasted two weeks. And then she was like, this wasn't what I expected. So we're shooting two for three, 66% so far, which isn't too bad. (laughs) No, it's not bad at all. And and I think that what I like about your process is, is the slow approach, the slow and steady, because oftentimes I think people get so desperate that they, I need help now. I can't do this. I need help now. And you, you go out and you bring on people that you really haven't had the time to get to know or to work with. And the next thing you know, they're not doing what you want them to do. And everybody's to blame but yourself. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, the slow yeah. process for you, I mean, but it's also going to be challenging because you might need somebody right away. But with your process, it, it's slower. But if you're bringing in people and you know you're above fifty percent with your retention and the way they're working out, that's that's I think a, a pretty good thing. Yeah, I think so. And the people we we have, they're able to do multiple fill multiple positions. We counted not too long ago. Each of us are doing twenty to thirty, you know, jobs that would be done in a you know in a big corporation. So they're able to get tons of stuff done and they're committed and they'll come in they'll work 50 60 hours a week um and they're not getting paid a ton of money to do it either they're just they right. see the potential they're, they, they're bought in well, they must also believe in you um so let's talk for a second about you as a leader i mean you started this whole thing and, and it was your coffee shop i you didn't have a partner or anything right it was just you no, I didn't have a partner. I worked, you know, closely, you know, with my store manager, uh, Scott, and, you know, I have known him forever, um, but it was, you know, just me in the beginning. And you know, it is still is just, you know, I still have 100% ownership, but, I, and, you know, people have been with me the longest. I almost feel like they're, you know, partners in the business only because they've, they've been there, for, you know, 
they've been there since the beginning. You know, I, I don't. I, I even hesitate to call them employees sometimes. I just, you know, I call them coworkers because when we make decisions, we try to make them together. You know, if it really comes down to it, you know, you know, I'll step up and be like, okay, let's, we're just going to do this. Let's do it this way and see. Right. Know. But for the most part, I try to hire people who are are pretty entrepreneurial minded, where they can, you know. I can give them an end result. I don't have to worry about how they accomplish the result. They can they kind of do it their own way as long as, you know, X gets done. Right. Now, you as a leader, um, you said that you still do a lot of the jobs that, that the other, you know, people that you're working with do too. How important is it for you to show the people that are working with you that you're hands-on too? You're not just delegating everything and walking away going to play golf. How important is that? <laughs> Yeah, that's important. I'm here. I'm here every day, and I, I try to keep everyone informed on you know what I'm doing because, and you know they they see how hard I work and how emotional I get about the business, so they know I'm not you know just cashing my cashing cashing checks and playing golf and going on trips all the time. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm here on the ground floor with them every day. You know, I'm always in the warehouse. You know, making sure the coffee's getting roasted correctly, making sure it's getting packed correctly. Um, I'm not as hands-on as I used to be. I mean, just for the sake of growing the business, if you're too hands-on, your business isn't going to grow. You're just going to kind of get stuck in the trenches. So I, I do try to, you know, I have my day-to-day managing hours and I have my CEO hours. So in the mornings are my day-to-day managing hours. I'll come in, make sure, you know, everything's going out as expected. And then I kind of pull out a little bit in the afternoon and kind of focus on strategy and, you know, more CEO forward facing. Right. It's a good way to look at it because you're right. You're absolutely right. If you continue to be your own employee, if you're working for yourself, you're never going to be able to develop your business. You're just going to continue to be an employee for yourself. You're your, your boss. But that nice distinction of I'm going to do some of the hands-on stuff and then I'm going to go and shift and become the CEO. I mean, that's a really nice way of sort of differentiating between the two roles that you have. So I think that's something that uh, – it's another thing that people just completely overlook. They get so wrapped up into working for themselves that they become their own employees. Yeah, it's dangerous. You don't – you won't grow if that's happening. You really won't grow. I, you know, I've solved my business a few times by doing just that. And it's now, you, uh, balancing it. Right. And you were talking before we went, went live today, you were talking about um, some of the new products that you're developing and the idea of you always have to continue to grow. So, you know, let's talk a little bit about that idea. Where did, how did you learn that idea of, okay, because I've developed this great Death Wish coffee, but now it's not enough. I need to evolve and do more. A lot of people would have just been satisfied with Death Wish and said, all right, here it is, and this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And then, of course, 10 years from now, they'll say, why did my business fail? What what prompted you to say we've got to keep evolving and doing more? Yeah, we're always trying to innovate and kind of be the leader of, you know, you know be very innovative in our market we try to do at least one new product per year um we it's i feel like that's a balancing act too you don't want to take on too much 
you don't want to jump at every opportunity that gets in front of you because then you'll lose focus and, you know, your core business, I think, can fall off and, you know, you won't deliver as great of an experience or product as, as you're promising your customers. But at the same time, you don't want to keep doing the same thing to the point where your product gets stale. So I, I try to say one product a year because I think that's reasonable. Uh, I don't have an exact science worked out or anything, but I want to stay relevant in the consumer's eyes. I want to, you know, keep giving them what they ask for. And at the same time, you know, maybe show them some new things that we're working on and see, you know, what their response is to it and just kind of jump on the one that they, that they like the best. So we're always working on like little tiny projects. And if the, if the customers say they love it, then we'll really kind of push our focus in that direction. Now, you know, um, what's interesting that I found on your site is, uh, is Barrel Brand um, Coffee. And you've got a, a large tie-in with uh, the Alzheimer's Association. So yes. what does that mean to you? How did this all come about? Well, coffee, having coffee, has been, there's been studies out there that say it helps uh, with Alzheimer's. I have a... I think an increased risk for Alzheimer's, according to you know my my family's history. So I you know I have a I guess an emotional connection with the Alzheimer's Association. They do you know an amazing job, and they have a very good presence in upstate New York. Uh, and when we you know we're putting this coffee together, I, you know I was like, hey, let's you know I think it'd be nice if we can you know tie this tie, tie this into a, a more uh, you know a positive. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? you know, have more of a positive impact on the world. And, you know, that's what we, you know, we chose to go with. We don't do anything with death. So, the name's very, uh, you know, the, you know, the name's very suggestive. So we didn't want to tie actual death wish coffee in with anything initially. Right. And we may in the future, but barrel brand was a separate, you know, it was more or less a separate brand where we could, you know, be, you know, give back a little. Yeah. How how important in general is it to give back for you? Because I know a lot of companies will say, you know what? Yeah, we're going to donate to this organization and that organization, and they're doing it to look good and for tax breaks. Is that why you do it, or is there a greater connection? I mean, is that really who you are? Uh, I think it, it's who I am, and I could. This is this kind of it's kind of exciting. It's kind of I don't know. I almost think it's magic. You know, you've, I've read a million times, you know, hey, when you give back, it comes back tenfold. For me, right. when, in, my, in my life, when I've, when I've taken time or taken, you know, you know my hard-earned money and, and given it back, it always comes back ten times in amazing ways. And, you know, it's, it's, it's really like magic. So, you know, now it's, I, I don't know, it's almost, uh, I don't want to say it's like an experiment because it makes, it might cheapen it, but. When when you give back, it really does come back tenfold. And it, it wasn't until I actually tried it, I was like, okay, you know, I because I'm personally like I, you know, in the past I wasn't a hey, you know, give to every charity type thing. And you know, I wouldn't say I am now. It's just the ones that kind of hit home with me now. Where I'm like, hey, you know, they're doing something good. Let's help them out now that I can. Um, and it always comes back in one way or another. It's, it's it is. It's like magic. <laughs> 
you know, and I think it's I think it's magic because you believe in it. And and you know, I I I was hoping that that was the answer you were going to give me because so many people out there they just do it because it makes them look good and they're not getting anything from it because they don't really believe in it. And I, I think you know this idea of corporate social responsibility is something that's become just a buzzword now. Everybody goes and does it, and it loses any of its positive element. And that's why I think that when you've got an organization like yours where you're going to just go and do it because you want to, because you really believe in it, and you're not looking for somebody to come and pat you on the back and say, great job, Mike. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's what it's all about. And I wish more people did it that way. Yeah, it's, it's exciting and it's special. It is special, it's special, especially if you can see like, you know, the, you know, the ground floor of where, you know, what you're contributing to and see the faces that, that house. Right, definitely. You know, you seem like a pretty mild, even-tempered guy. Um, what kind of advice would you give to entrepreneurs out there who are dealing with these ups and downs and the uncertainty of their business and the, the idea of, of this constant stress? Um, I mean, you might be a guy that gets stressed, but just in talking to you, I mean, you seem pretty even-tempered, but there's so many people out there that just have such a hard time dealing with the stress of owning their own business. What kind of advice would you give to them? Well, you need an audience. And I think the best way to get your audience is to, you know, make 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 a list. Keep a list of your, of your customers and or even potential, you know, audience or potential customers. If you grow a list, whether it's an email list or a mailing list or or even, you know, a list of addresses or phone numbers, you know, people you can contact all the time and, you know, sell your product to, and if they love your product, you know, you know, show it to other people, then, you know, that that is worth its weight in gold. You know, that's, that's something that people talk about all the time is this idea of growing your marketing list or growing your email list, and that's why... A lot of people will give away things because they're looking for that email address. And I've heard in the past people argue that, oh, email is dead, mailing lists are dead. Uh, I don't agree with that at all. And it doesn't sound like you do either. No, no, definitely not. I mean, I, and especially if it's a good list, then don't go out and buy a, buy a list of people. That's right? garbage. You know, the list is only as good as, you know, who's putting it together, how you're putting it together, um, you know, and who those people are. So, I mean, you got to grow it the right way, you know, with, with, with either your potential customers who love the product. And then if you can even segment it down to, hey, this, this customer likes to buy this coffee on this day. And if you can get a few of those people and then just send them a reminder on that day, you, you, can, do, you can do a million things. But, that, you know, that's just one example. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I really, um, I think that there's so much that you've talked about today that people can learn so much from. And I don't even know if as you're talking, you realize what sort of great advice you're giving to people. Because the things that, that you use to develop Death Wish Coffee, this idea of constant learning and listening to the customers and and caring and giving quality and making sure 
that the stuff that you're putting out is not just there to generate revenue, but it's actually quality. You know, I, I think that there's so many things that you've done right and that, that people can learn from. So, I mean, I really think you've done a great job, certainly done a great job with the product, um, but really have, have been able to give some really super advice to, to people that are struggling or want to become an entrepreneur. Um, before I let you go and before I, 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 I you know, ask you how people can you know, get your coffee and learn more about it, I just want to ask you one more question. What is the number one piece of advice that you could give to somebody who is thinking about going out there and, and leaving their office job and, and taking a risk you know, maybe somebody that has a family, um, somebody that has people relying on them. What's the number one piece of advice you could give them? Okay. Yeah. Thanks for the kind words, by the way. I really appreciate it. Um, the number one piece of advice I'd give to them is don't do what I did. Don't just drop everything, you know, quit, cut off your income a hundred percent. I would, you know, first start with trying to free up a couple hours of your time and, you know, dipping into whatever market you're you know you're you want to dip into maybe follow some blogs learn as much as you can about the industry send out some you can you can almost launch a fake product nowadays and test it out before you even invest any money i wouldn't suggest investing any money initially in any product maybe maybe just a couple hundred bucks on a, on a prototype if, if it's a product business or there's just so many ways to test out a business for free before you dive into the market and don't quit your job if you have a family, you know, <laughs> Make, develop that second income first and, you know, wait until that second income, in, you know, is greater than your current income before we quit. You know, I wish I did that before I kind of took the dive, you know, looking back, I, I'd be much further ahead right now if I, you know, was a little bit smarter on the onset. Right. But you know what? We always look back and I think always second guess ourselves. And if, if that had happened, you might not be where you are today with, with death, death Wish. That might not have ever happened. Yes, that's true. Very true. So how can people um, learn more about your product? How can they get your coffee? Uh, I know we talked about Amazon, but uh, I also want you to talk a little bit about your website and how people can contact you if they've got questions. Um, or if they want to, you know, sign up for a subscription, or, or you know, just buy an individual bag. Yeah, our website is www.deathwishcoffee.com. Um, you can buy it there. You can go to Amazon. The great, you know, we're, we're we collaborate with Amazon through Amazon Prime, so you can go on Amazon and get it shipped to your house within two to three days. Um, you can. Yeah, you can get a subscription to our website. We actually have a new website launching next week, so it might look a little different than you know you see it today, but it should be just as easy to you know purchase. And we ship everything out, priority mail, it ships to your house in two to three days. Um, so yeah, you can do either one. We're also available on eBay, and for international customers, we are in Amazon Canada, Amazon UK. And I think you can buy international on eBay as well. So you're out there, and, and you know anybody that wants to, to try it, um, I definitely encourage you to go and check it out. And look, you know there's there's this this money back guarantee, which is also a super great thing to do because you know you you said at the beginning of the show, maybe somebody isn't you know on board with the, the flavor or they don't like something about it. 
and and that's okay. And and you know you, you're responsible. You're going to give them their money back. So there's really nothing to lose. And I really think that um, most people, especially if if you coffee flavor and and not just some generic coffee that you get at a at a, at a deli. I mean, this I think you're going to love it. I fell in love with it right away, and I wasn't even trying to. Just have to try it out because it looked cool. Thanks, Peter. Yeah, we're not trying to like pull the wool over anyone's eyes or anything. We want this to be a win-win transaction. Um, and if if the customer doesn't like it, we don't. Eat, you know, it's it's a second transaction. We just flip the switch and you know, we give you the money back. We're trying. We just want people to love the product. And if they don't, eh, then that's okay. You know, no, you know, no loss on their end. But if they don't love the product, they're still going to love the company because when a company goes and does that and gives them their money back, I mean, how can you not love the company for that? So I think that's a great thing. I think, you know, you win, the customer wins. I think it's awesome. Thanks. Yeah, we, we, that's, that's what we want. Everyone, we want this to be, a, you know, we're, we're not, we want to be a strong company and be a strong company. You know, we, we do what we say we're going to do. Well, that's great. And, you know, one other point I want to make about the coffee is that it's certified organic coffee, right? Yep, it's USDA certified and fair trade. So we know we make sure it's grown responsibly and the people who grow the product get paid what they deserve. Oh, that's great. Mike, I want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day to be on the show with me today and, and to, to give so much of yourself to our listeners. I appreciate it, and I really Love your product. Love what you're doing. I wish you continued success, and I hope that everyone listening to this this show goes out and tries it because I think you're going to love it. So thank you so much, and, and good luck, Mike. Great. Thank you very much, Peter. Uh, it was, it was, and one more thing. Before I let you sure. go, one more thing. Uh, we have had some questions come in while we've been live and, and don't have a chance to get to them today, but maybe we'll have you on in the future if you'd be uh, up for it, and maybe we can get through some of our listeners' questions. How does that sound? Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Sounds great. All right, perfect. All right, Mike, thanks a lot, and we look forward to seeing new products and your new website, and we'll check in with you soon. All right, you too. Bye-bye. So just had Mike from Death Wish Coffee. Uh, really, I think so much that we can learn from him. It's just, you know, you got to pull it out, and you got to write this down, because these are the, the lessons that I think are so critical if you are an entrepreneur, if you're thinking about being an entrepreneur, you know, you've got to do some of these things that, that Mike did. One of them that I just love is the idea of constant learning. You never know enough. And whether it's constant learning about your, your particular industry or your competition or how to do something with technology, you know, he talked about the idea of not needing to know coding to build a website and it's drag and drop. You might not even know that if you don't go out there and start looking at ways for you to you know, build a website or, or to, to, to make your business work. So this idea of constant learning, I think, is super important. So many people, they just get stuck on, well, this is what I know, and then they become like a dinosaur. They just don't, they don't develop. Their product doesn't develop. Their company doesn't develop, and they don't understand why. Because, oh, I've got all this knowledge. Well, it's not enough to have knowledge if you're not constantly learning and changing and evolving. So that's that's number one. Number two lesson, which I think is so, so important, listening to your customer. And that could be in 
the form of customer reviews, negative feedback, positive feedback. You know, I'm not talking about negative being just people that hate you because that's out there everywhere and you have to deal with that. Um, I'm talking about reviews or comments or feedback that, that you can use to help develop your product and your business. So negative reviews are just as good in my book as positive because now you'll know through listening to the people that you are making this product for, you'll know what they like and don't like. And you know, like Mike said, he's making a product for his customers, not for himself, because maybe he likes something that you wouldn't. He's not going to force you to drink that. He wants you to experience what you like. And this idea of listening to your customer or your client, it, it just has such an expansive um, and important role in your success to be able to, to know what your customer wants, to hear their complaints, to hear what they love, and to give them what they want. Imagine if he had just been one of these guys that had turned a deaf ear to what his customer wants. Oh, I don't care what they want. They're just going to get what I give them. Death Wish Coffee might not have been a reality because he wouldn't have, have listened to what these people were looking for. Uh, another great lesson is quality. It, this product is top quality. You know, whether you like the flavor, don't like the flavor, it doesn't make a difference. There are no shortcuts to this product. This is a um, top quality coffee. And I think it's so important that you don't take shortcuts and you don't give people junk. You don't give them something just to generate a dollar because, you know, that's going to come back and, and ultimately hurt your business. So this idea of taking the time to having the best roaster, and, you know, that translates into your business too, whatever it might be that you're doing. If you're a graphic designer, having the best computer, the best equipment, if you're a musician, you know, I'm sure that he didn't just buy this this overnight. I'm sure it, the idea of, of investing into your business and putting into your business um, the best and expecting the best, that's just going to, I think, benefit you and help your product grow. People are going to love it. And even if they don't like something that you're doing, they can't argue with the quality of it. Maybe they don't like the color of your product or something on it, but they, they can't complain about the quality. So that idea of quality and making sure that you give people the best that you can, I love that. Um, also, I thought that that the, the donation idea, this idea of uh, giving back for the sake of giving back is so important from a personal standpoint. You know, in, in my world, whenever I either – through the company or as an individual, whenever I've given back to somebody or something, it's an unbelievable feeling. It truly is. It truly makes you feel like the world is a little bit of a smaller place and that you've connected with somebody and helped them and done something for them. And, and so many times for me, it's, it's, it's nice to see their face, but it's, it's even nicer to be quiet about it. You know, to do it and, and to not make a big deal of it. And um, I think that that's sort of the honesty behind charitable giving. And that's what Death Wish Coffee has done with the Alzheimer's um, Association. 
and that's probably not the exact name of it, but uh, with Alzheimer's and, and, and research and, and uh, money that's being donated there, I think that, you know, if you listen to what Mike said, he does it because he loves it, because he feels good about doing it, not because he wants somebody to pat him on the back and say, oh, great job, you're, you're such a great donator. Uh, you know, that doesn't do anything for you. That just the idea of putting out stuff and saying to people, hey, look, I give back to the community. Who cares if you don't believe in what you're doing? If you're doing it simply for ratings or, or because other people are doing it, that for me is not a good reason to do it. So this idea of, you know, uh, doing it for the right reason, I think that's the only reason that you get involved in, in charitable giving or, uh, or anything. Because you're cheating yourself. Basically, if you don't really want to do it and love what you're doing and, and, and enjoy this idea of giving, you're cheating yourself because you're never going to have, Mike described it as a miracle. You know, it's something that's magic or magic. He said, not a miracle, magic, magical. And it's true. When you give out of, of kindness and, and a, a pure desire, you get something back and it's undescribable. You just, you, you can't even put it into words. So for those companies and those entrepreneurs out there who are just giving because it's the thing to do, I'd stop doing it until you really believe in it. So that's a, another lesson. Another thing that we learned from Mike today is the idea of online business. You know, I, I've talked a lot in the past about passive business, passive income, and how it's not all it's cracked up to be, and that people, I think, um, sort of lose hope because they aren't making a million dollars a year like some of the people that they're following online do. So your know, passive income strategies, that's one thing. But online business is separate from passive income, in my opinion. Well, yes, it grows out of online. The online industry, the ability to create a website, to create a product, to reach customers, to obtain customer information, there is never in my mind or in my opinion been a better time than right now because you don't need to pay somebody to build your website you don't need to go out and pay somebody to help you develop a mailing list what you need is hard work honesty and focus and then you go out and you you take your idea you take your product you take your service and you go out there and you can make it happen the online tools we have today are greater than any other time before and you can reach so many people and do so much for yourself and then once you become successful and you start selling your product or service and you can start outsourcing you can start hiring people like Mike did so tremendous amount of lessons that we learned today and I really uh, I greatly appreciate him taking the time and I really mean what I say about the product too I love it uh, I'm a customer and just give it a shot. Give it a try. His story's great. The product's great. All right, that's going to do it for today. I want to thank all of you for listening to the show, whether you listen live or you're downloading it on iTunes. Uh, maybe you are downloading it through our website. You're listening to it on SoundCloud. Wherever you are and however you're getting this show, I want to thank you for being here and being part of the UTL Radio family. And, um, you know, this is something that I love doing because I love sharing with you some of these tips and, and strategies and stories of people who have made it and have become successful because there's so much that we can learn from it 
And I love learning, and that's why I love what Mike said about constant learning. So thank you. Um, please don't forget to give me some feedback. Let me know what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show. Make sure that you subscribe on iTunes and on YouTube and give me uh, some, some comments and engage me, and, and I'm going to communicate back with you. Also, don't forget to check out the new utlradio.com. We have a brand new site. I mean, really, really brand new, completely revamped. There's a lot of information on it. There's um, ways for you to buy some of the products that some of our guests who have been on this show, like Kimberly Guilfoyle, are selling. Uh, there's a ton of information about upcoming shows, and you can listen to past shows and download past videos. And it's a good way for you to communicate. There's actually now a forum on utlradio.com. So any way you want to get in touch with us, do so. We're going to get back in touch with you. I want to thank you for your support and for being here and being part of our family. I appreciate it. All right, that's going to do it. Stick around uh, because we have more coming up next week, including our Monday show with my co-host Bob Hughes. But in future, in the next couple months, we have some really great guests coming on. We've got the Willis clan who's coming on. Uh, we've got Rich Gasperi. Just a ton of people coming up. I can't even go through all of the great guests that we're going to have in the next few weeks, few months. So check that out. Check out utlradio.com to stay updated and to know who's going to be on the show. That's going to do it. Thanks a lot. And remember that there's power. on new and previously leased furnishings. That's right, huge savings. At Court Furniture Clearance Center, choose from our wide variety of new and previously leased furniture and decor for your home or office. You'll find sofas from $199.99 and more. Everything in our 9,000 square foot showroom is Court certified, guaranteed, and in stock. Ready for delivery or to take home today. Visit our Chantilly Court Furniture Clearance Center at 13946 Lee Jackson Memorial Highway or go online at courtclearancefurniture.com. Mention Radio 20 and get 20% off.